So we've been in a series uh, called Christmas is a Time. This weekend, our final instalment in this series as we leave behind the Christmas season and move into a new time next week. Christmas is a time for reflection. Now, it's usually about this time of year as we're in the last weekend of a year where we go, wow, where did that year go? Time flies. But I'm not sure we're saying that about this year. Who said 2020 has just flown by? It hasn't, has it? It's kind of felt like a decade. It's like, is this year ever going to end? It's been a real, real challenge. I think we need to give each other a trophy or a badge and say, I survived 2020. It's been a really, really tough time, hasn't it? But apart from 2020, if you can imagine back to previous years, we usually say at this time of year, wow, that year just flew by. Time does fly, especially it seems as you get older, as you're younger, you have the age to look forward to where you can start driving. It's kind of this big expectation you have. I can't wait till I'm old enough to drive because that brings with it some independence to be able to get around without having to rely on your parents. And then from there, you can't wait to turn 21 because then you're really an adult, yeah, whatever that means. I'm getting some nods from Harry over there. <laughs> like, no, not yet. So we have these milestone ages that we look forward to when we can drive and then when we turn 21. But let me tell you, when you get beyond that, you start going, what now? What do I have to look forward to now? And the years keep flying by though, and I have um, some wisdom to offer you on that, and I think you're going to be bamboozled by this. But when you're, when you're one year old, sorry, when you're five years old, one year represents 20% of your life. So it's actually a fairly big chunk of your life. For a five-year-old, uh, 2020 was, was 20% of their life, so a substantial portion of their life. But if you were 50, this year's represented just 2% of your life. See how our perception of time changes as we get older. Now, you were really impressed with that wisdom, weren't you? Without fail, though, every new year provides a new set of challenges. You know what many of us are thinking? I can't wait for this year to be over and done with. But I have some bad news. Next year, we'll have another set of challenges. Next year, we'll leave our wisdom stocks depleted yet again. There'll be times where we feel totally lost in life. Don't be fooled for a minute to thinking, well, when we just get beyond COVID, when we have a vaccine available. No, no, if we are to live well, in this coming year. We need more than that. We need godly wisdom. See, trials are inevitable, but growth is not. And if we are to grow, we need wisdom. We need time to stop and process not just what's happening to me, but what's happening in me as I go through the trials of life. Who do I need to forgive as a result of the events of the past year? What is God trying to teach me through the things that I've gone through? What character flaws have been unveiled by this trying year? These are the sort of questions that we need to take on board and ask of ourselves and make time before God, as we just saw from the puppet, to, to allow God to do deep work in us. We need to give time. Howard Hendricks is right. Experience is not the best teacher. It isn't. 
evaluated experiences. We can't claim that just because we've been through lots of things makes us wise. No, no, no. We need to spend time evaluating what we're going through if we're actually going to grow. I want to turn your attention to Psalm 90 this weekend. The writer is Moses. He's a super well-educated fellow. He's had a royal upbringing in a palace, but he knows he's undone. He knows that education isn't enough. He needs more than that. He needs godly wisdom, and he knows he needs a growth mindset to bring it. And he absolutely calls out to God for this wisdom. In the wisdom, sorry, in the words rather of the Switchfoot song, life is short. I want to live it well. This Psalm 90 that I turn your attention to has similar sentiments. Lord, you have been our dwelling place through all generations. Before the mountains were born or you brought forth the world from everlasting to everlasting, you are God. You turn people back to dust saying, return to dust, you mortals. A thousand years in your sight are like a day that has just gone by, or like a watch in the night. Yet you sweep people away in the sleep of death. They are like the new grass of the morning. In the morning it springs up, but by evening it's dry and withered. We are consumed by your anger and terrified by your indignation. You have set our iniquities before you, our secret sins in the light of your presence. All our days pass away under your wrath. We finish our years with a moan. Our days come to 70 years or 80, if our strength endures. Yet the best of them are but trouble and sorrow, for they quickly pass and we fly away. If only we knew the power of your anger, your wrath is as great as the fear that is your due. A pretty depressing psalm that fits a pretty depressing year up until now. But notice this final verse, which is our key verse for consideration. Teach us to number our days, that we may gain a heart of wisdom. Teach us, God, to number our days, so that we may gain a heart of wisdom. And may the Lord add his blessing to the reading of his holy word. I want to bring you two key observations of this scripture, Psalm 90. Two key observations and then two practical applications that we can think about as a result. Psalm 90 verse 12, teach us to number our days. A reflective life won't come naturally. This stands out to me. In order for Moses to get wisdom, he knew, he absolutely knew, he needed God to teach him. It was going to take deliberation and intentionality. It was going to be learned behaviour. He wasn't just going to fall into wisdom. He needed God. And so he cries out to God saying, teach me, Lord, teach me, Lord, teach me, Lord, to take account of my days. I need your help. Otherwise, I'll just slip into the rat race of going through the motions and the days will turn into weeks and the weeks into months and the months into years. And I'll look back at my life and I'll say, what did I do with it? Whatever become of me? The days will be just a blur, God, unless you teach me. This seems to indicate to me that if you're living your life on cruise control, you're probably not growing in wisdom. You're probably not growing towards wisdom. Normal in our Australian culture is, she'll be right, mate. That's the kind of normal mentality we live with. But Moses then is abnormal. 
Because he says, I'm not just going to take a she'll be right mate approach to life. I want to grow. I want to have wisdom. And so therefore, God, teach me to take account of the way I'm living. I want to live awake. I want to live aware. I want to grow. I don't want to waste my life. If you don't tutor me, God, I'll never have that wisdom. I'll be loose as a goose. I'll be mindless. I'll just wander around like a chook with my head cut off with no direction at all. So Lord, be my teacher. I need to be deliberate about wisdom if I'm to grow in it. Just laps around the sun doesn't do it. It's intentionality that's required for me to grow in wisdom. There's another insight I see in Psalm 90 here. Although we've discovered a reflective life won't come easily, it requires mentoring under God. It's work. There's good reason to do it, even though it takes effort. And the reason is that numbering our days holds great reward. That's what it says here. We get wisdom only through this process. To consciously be aware of the passing days, to count them, is the way that I get the gift of godly wisdom. Notice what it doesn't say, ahead of wisdom. It says a heart of wisdom. Wisdom is primarily then a heart issue, not a head issue. Have you noticed in life, there's plenty of people around that know everything about everything. They're very knowledgeable. They've got a head full of knowledge, but wisdom isn't a head issue. Wisdom is a heart issue. People who are truly wise are rarer than hen's teeth because not many people are willing to go through the hard work of gaining wisdom, of slowing down and being with God. It doesn't just come by living on autopilot. You know, it's possible to be a mature 20-year-old and it's possible to be an immature 60-year-old. Wisdom has nothing to do with how long I've lived and everything to do with what I've done with the time I've been given. So counting my days is the best way to make them count. So the cry of Moses is, teach me, Lord. I don't want to live ignorant. I don't want the days to just slide on by unaccounted for. I want to move in godly wisdom. So there's a couple of key uh, insights looking at this psalm. Now, I want to offer you a couple of applications that aren't directly taken from the text. I want to note that from the beginning. They're just ways in which God is challenging me. And I think as we look at a passage like this through the lens of 2020 and ask, what would it look like to grow in godly wisdom at such a time as this? Now, these particular applications may not apply to you well. I'll give you full permission to go away and say, didn't connect at all, Jono. Make up your own. Make up your own application then. But whatever you do, decide from here to go away wanting desiring, planning to grow in wisdom. Now, these couple of um, applications, I imagine with the year we've just been through, particularly the second one, you're going to be well on the way. You're probably faster than me in terms of putting these things into practice in your life. But regardless of that, I offer them. Beyond productivity, moving beyond productivity to just being present. Moving beyond productivity, that is getting lots of stuff done to being present to what is God actually trying to speak into my life at this time. Do you know what this means? It means developing a new scoreboard on what a good day is. 
It's developing a new scoreboard on what a good day is. It, it means that some days where you say, I got a ton done, but if I actually missed walking in the presence of God throughout that day, I was a failure. It wasn't a good day at all. Speaking of productivity for a moment, I find it amazing, don't you, that we Australians feel so time poor at such a time as this. And I find this to be a bizarre thing because as I think about the life of my grandparents, if we go back a hundred years or even 20 or 30 years, and we think about how efficiently things get done now, how is it we feel so time poor? How is it when we have so much technology where we can press a button and walk away that we still feel so incredibly time poor? My sense is we've been taken for a ride here and much of to blame is that little thing that sits in our pocket called a mobile phone. We've been sold the lie that this thing will make your life so much more productive, but I don't know that it is, and I don't know that it's helping us incline our heart to wisdom. I think it's robbing us of many family times and, and actually responding and being present in a room because we are so sort of concerned about what's going on with our phone. Are we going to miss a notification? Are we going to miss a text message? Are we going to miss an inbox message if we don't have our phone on us at all times and turned on? I'm not suggesting we go back to the dark ages and throw our phones away, although if you do, I probably applaud that choice. Good job. But I reckon if we are to number our days and incline our hearts to wise learning, we must minimise our screen time. We must continually make adjustments to stamping out screen addiction from our lives. And yes, this does mean carrying our phones less. You know, I, I notice a dangerous trend in my life, and you may in yours too. Sometimes I'm more attached to my phone than I am my Bible. And that really, really concerns me. Now, I know that now on phones you can have Bibles, you can have calendars, you can have calculators, you can have torches, you can have everything there. The point is, what is getting my attention? If we are to grow in wisdom, I think we need to consider scaling back the amount of time we spend on screens. And for those younger generation who, who, who think, this is ridiculous, John, you're talking about doing a day without a mobile phone, then listen to this. Those researched in the ages of 15 to 25 report feeling the most disconnected generation of all. Isn't that amazing how we, we think that we are more contactable with this phone by our side 24 hours a day and yet, and yet, and yet those who are operating with that and haven't known anything other than that are actually saying they are lonely. A secular scientist backs up the biblical view of community when he says this, humans are hungry for connection and connection is being seen, heard and valued. Seen, heard and valued. Our cultural commentators are now understanding the problem of our screens and my goal in my life is to give screens less and less and less of a go. I think growing in wisdom demands it. Now, someone's going to say, John, I have to carry my phone for work purposes. I'm not speaking about that. What about when you don't have to carry it for work purposes? Are you still carrying it then? We need to switch off our phone long enough to be able to pay attention to what matters most. Have you lost my audio? I'm still on. Okay, back again. 
for some of you who say, well, screen time is not an issue in my life, hey, that's fine. Tick for you. You find another area of how you can grow in wisdom. You find the thing that is your wisdom threat and, and determine to stamp that out of your life. The next application on how we might grow a heart of wisdom as we look towards a new year, and I just feel certain with this one that many of you are well on the road already in terms of applying this. Moving beyond planning to being prepared. Now, a strange play on words. I hope I can make it really, really clear. The point of difference is what you are focusing on. Are you focusing on who you are becoming or are you focusing on what you will do, the activities? Now, this is a bit of a no-brainer when we've just been through such a disruptive year where probably whatever plans we had for the year have been turned on their head. However, there's real wisdom here in, in understanding the difference of, between preparation and planning. So let me let you in on a 2021 secret. I have a prophecy for you. Are you ready? About the upcoming year. Some of the things you're planning won't actually work out. <laughs> Some of the things you're planning for this coming year won't actually work out. They won't come to pass. And if you haven't done any character work, you won't be prepared prepared to cope with plans that don't work out. Do you see the difference? If you've done no work on the matters of the heart, you will not be placed well to travel through the disappointment that's caused by plans not working out. There's so much about life that ends up beyond our control. And if 2020 has taught us anything, it's taught us that. That so much about life happens and we have little control over it. Some of the biggest life events are outside our management capabilities. I had no way of, of, of manufacturing Yvonne to come out for a short-term mission trip from California and, and at the right time meet her. I mean, the, these big life events that we, we think, well, I'll just plan this, I'll plan that, I actually had no control over it at all. And as you look back over your life, you'll see the same. There'll be married couples among us that are waiting for a pregnancy. There'll be others waiting to hear if you've got a new job or a new contract. There'll be some people waiting to find out if they got accepted into that new course next year. There'll be others waiting for a romantic relationship. All these things that we wait on, and yet so much of these things are actually outside our control. But what we can do, and what we ought to do, is prepare our hearts. Prepare our hearts. We can't so much plan from A to Z all of these things, but we most certainly and ought to prepare our hearts. The Bible says this, in their hearts humans plan their course, but the Lord establishes their steps. And there's a reason we can get ourselves all frazzled and lose our peace. It's because we hold so tight to the steering wheel with our plans and we kind of lock God out. We have our agenda and our ideas in the way we schedule things, and yet we fail to do the preparation required to do life well. Are you missing the peace of God that you could have enjoyed in a far greater way if you were resting in him throughout this past year? I'm not suggesting a passive approach to life, just an altered one, emphasising a different value. 
let me say it to you like this. I had a friend back in Victoria a couple of years ago and he was explaining to me how he was going camping, um, heading on a camping trip. And I couldn't get over the fact that um, he said this to, in response to my question. I said, where are you going? Now, he was going down the Otways, down the Great Ocean Road, if you know Victoria at all. It's a beautiful part of the, the country down there. But his response to this, when I said, where are you going? He said, I don't really know. Now, he was leaving tomorrow. He knew the general direction he was heading, but he had no idea where they were going to camp. And I found that stunning. How can you be leaving tomorrow and not know where you're going? And the more I thought about it, the more I realised the reason he could get away without having a firm plan is because he was so well prepared. He was so well prepared that he could get away without a plan. So he had a, a trailer on board with everything in it. Everything he could possibly need for a camping trip was in that trailer. So therefore he could just head off on his journey. And when he found the place where he wanted to stop, he could stop because he'd made the preparation to stop wherever the place presented at the time. Do you see the difference? He didn't have a firm plan. He was just well prepared. So he could go along the track and decide, we're going to stop here. We've found the place. Sometimes we lack the wisdom to operate in life like that. We're all about planning and not so much about preparation. And we find ourselves all cranky, and let me tell you why. Because we say we are going to camp there, in that spot. And what happens? We travel four hours to get there, and it buckets down rain. And our plans go haywire, and we find ourselves all upset with the world. We can't even access the track to get into where we're going. Or we, we make the effort to get there, and someone bet us to the place and we, at the, the spot is already taken. And what do we do? We get ugly. <laughs> we decide that, you know, I'm going to huff and puff and blow a fuse because my plan didn't work out. Imagine if we spent more time preparing. Can I employ you in the coming year? Don't only plan your steps, especially if meticulous planning is in your personality type. Spend a whole lot more time on preparation of your character. Wisdom demands it. Finding the wisdom of God is often like stocking the trailer so that when the opportunity presents, you're ready to go. And we get so paralysed at times with the wrong questions. Does God want me to go there or does God want me to go there? When often God wants us to stack the trailer so that when the opportunity comes, we're ready to go. We're ready to go. In all this, I'm not saying we just take a let's see what it happens approach to life. But I am saying let's spend more time preparing our own character, our own growth, and hold a little more loosely to our ideas of how things should unfold. Lord, teach us to number our days that we may grow a heart of wisdom. As the musicians come back today and we move into communion, I may have led you into a position where you feel a, a, a bit of guilt about your life and you think, well, I didn't use the last year well at all and I'm really terrible at this stuff, Jono, actually. To come to think of it, I don't live and learn. 
I just live and I keep repeating the same old mistakes over and over again. I'm like a broken record. Well, that's what communion's all about. It's where the cross of Jesus comes to our rescue. The cross of Jesus is the space where God says, you know what? Sin doesn't have to rule anymore. Your mistakes aren't greater than the grace of God. And it's as we come there and we bring our brokenness to him and we bring our regret of the past year and we bring our, our systematic failure that we keep repeating over and over again perhaps, the same old destructive behaviours that keep popping up. It's there we can be set free and forgiven. And Jesus says, it is finished. I'm giving you a clean slate. I'm giving you a do-over. A new year won't do that for you. But the forgiveness of Jesus Christ certainly does. So I invite you to grab your communion emblems now and have them in hand. And there's two layers there. Just take the first layer off first, which contains the bread. I've lost mine. Join me in prayer before we take communion. Almighty God, only you can fulfill us. Only you can change us. Only you can make us new. So we come to you on this last weekend of yet another year. We say, God, when everything else was crumbling around us, you were faithful. You were faithful. You were true. You are love. You are good. And so we thank you, God, with this bread and cup. We are reminded again that we need you. We need your forgiveness. We need your fresh start. We need your help. We need your grace if we are to grow. And we offer ourselves afresh to you in these moments. Lord, grant us today as we receive the bread and cup in memory of Christ's death and suffering in communion with you and with your family that we may be partakers in the body and blood of Jesus who on the night he was betrayed took the bread. I invite you to have the bread in hand now. He broke it and said, Take it, this is my body which was given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the body of our Lord Jesus Christ, which was given for you, preserve your soul and body to everlasting life. Take and eat, remembering that Christ died for you. Feed on him in your heart by faith with thanksgiving. Jesus took the cup. He said, drink from it, all of you, because this is the blood of the new covenant, which is poured out for many, the forgiveness of sins. Whenever we drink this, we do this in remembrance of him, 
the blood of our Lord Jesus Christ, which was shed for you, preserve your soul and body to everlasting life. Drink this in remembrance that Christ's blood was shed for you. Be thankful. In Jesus' name, let's drink together. Almighty God, we just want to say thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you for your faithfulness to us, for your goodness, for the love that you've shown, which we can depend on. Lord, help us grow in this coming year. Help us be people that are green and growing, that aren't stuck in yesterday, that, that embrace the forgiveness of Jesus and use it as a fuel to live out this new year with great excitement and joy and dreams as you fill our hearts. We pray it in Jesus' name.